Hello, clubbers, and welcome back to our very first In The Club episode of 2022, also known as our bonus show. We had such an incredible chat with Adrian Herbert this week on goal setting that we wanted to bring the full interview to your ears as a New Year January treat because God knows we all need one. <laughs> Adrian is the host of the Power Hour podcast and author to the book of the same name. She's a motivational speaker and a total powerhouse in the fitness world. We talked to Adrian about the Power Hour, a practice that we tried back in 2021. We talked to her about how to set goals for ourselves, how to reclaim our time, how to prioritise ourselves, and making good choices for ourselves and how to find your drive and stay motivated. She is so incredible. This is such a great chat, one to really inspire you and step into the things that you really want to create for yourself. Enjoy. Adrian, welcome to the club and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me. So fabulous to have you on the show. Do you do New Year's resolutions? Is that a thing for you? Well, I mean, we're going to get on to talking about goal setting. So I'm not going to I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not somebody who says, oh, you know, New Year, New Year. It's not about that for me, but I do love a notebook. I love a calendar. I love the fresh white space <laughs> to kind of make plans and get excited and set goals. So yes, I love the new year energy. Um, but I do, the, I do, I kind of start my new year in September, which sounds a bit odd, but that's when it's, that's my birthday and it's the start of my new year. And it's I like, like that. you know, like the back to school it's, energy. Yeah. It's Jewish new year in September. So it's kind of, yeah, we get that. Ah, so yeah but any basically any excuse for me to go right let's make a plan I'll take it it's like that back to school new year new case new you know new pencil case (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I'm definitely feeling that energy in January I think any excuse as I said to uh look at a blank slate and say okay reassess uh what's going on I love that so you think it's a positive thing in terms of New Year's resolutions because they do get a bad rap these days, don't they? Oh, they do, but that's it. You can't please everyone. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I think that New Year's resolutions has definitely become that thing, hasn't it? It's like eye roll. Oh, don't, you know, start something that you're going to give up in two weeks. But I, I personally, I just think um, it can be a really positive thing. I think, especially given the last, you know, couple of years, yes. how, you know, what a nice thing to embrace and go, you know what? let's start afresh, take a deep breath, embrace change and maybe action some change that you've been putting off. So yeah, I think it can be positive. I love that. Thank you. We did your power hour for one of our shows. We lived it for a week. We did. Yeah. And uh, I loved it because it kind of fits with my mornings. Nicole, you were kind of like, you didn't like the prescriptiveness of it, I think. Well, I already allocate an hour to myself every day for my gym so then to find and then I had to find another hour and I was kind of like oh my god I don't know where I'm going to find another hour from so I I told you when we met we met you at balance um back in November I think it was and I said to you oh I did power half hour and you were like oh no that's fine that's fine can you tell our listeners what the power hour is for those that missed the show and why it is so important Yes, absolutely. So the concept of the power hour is pretty simple. It is about reclaiming some of your time to do whatever you want, but it's it's doing it every day. And I advise that people do that for the first hour of their day. So you're starting the day intentionally and you're reclaiming your time. So I use the word reclaiming intentionally because reclaiming literally means taking back something that was 
previously yours that was lost or stolen. And I always want people to think about time in that way, because it's not, you know, you think about money and you can spend money, you can earn money, you can save money, you can get a refund, you can, but time is not like that. Time is finite. And so this idea that for me, time is the most valuable thing that we have reclaiming some of it before we give our energy and our attention and our focus to everyone and everything else. Let's be honest, from the moment you open your eyes, there can be something there that's, you know, whether it's kids, whether it's emails, whether it's WhatsApp, there's something there. So I think if you don't reclaim some of your time, if you don't decide what you're going to do with your time, somebody else or something else will. So very simple concept. It's literally take some time back. It's yours. You deserve it. It's not selfish. It's not self-indulgent. It is necessary. And then after that, I kind of, obviously I've written a whole book about it. So I advise people on, you know, what they could do and and how and why. But the most important thing is the practice of of having that time ring fenced. It's not actually what you do in the time. So for example, I, you know, I use the power hour myself to often to exercise, to run, to do Pilates. Sometimes I'll use it to do writing, but that's, that's how I do it. So often people will say, oh, you know, I don't want to get up at half five and go for a run. So maybe the power hour is not for me, but actually people who've tried it and I know, I know you both have people get different things out of it. So for some people, it's actually just, that's the only time in their day when they can cultivate solitude, when they can be alone, have quiet, they can think, they can maybe have, uh, you know, let their mind wander, daydream, have ideas, you know, be creative. So it doesn't have to be one size fits all. But I really, I think, especially at the start of the year when, you know, it's dark in the morning, it's cold, you know, the idea of setting your alarm clock bright and early might not (laughs) be that appealing. But when you think about actually what a gift to give yourself more time, time that is dedicated to you no one else can take that you know interrupt or or be there or be present it's just for you doing that every single day honestly it can change your entire life it is so empowering when you decide actually I want to do this it's important to me and I deserve that it's very empowering and I think when you start to build that confidence of of you know setting time aside making it non-negotiable whether that's to the other people in your household or even just to yourself and your diary and showing up for yourself every day it honestly that confidence you can take that into any other area of your life because you start to realize okay I'm the kind of person who means what I say I said I was going to do this and I did it if I can do that, maybe I can do the next. And you honestly, it's like, a, it's like a momentum and a snowball. It certainly was for me and for a lot of other people who have read the book. So that's the short version of the power. I love out. it. I love it. Thank you. I want to do it again now. I want to do it Good. again. I'm glad you want to do it again. But actually, what, what, I'm, what I'm realizing is I do do that. I actually do do that. So totally do that. I totally do that. I think that's what I realized when we did it, when we practiced it for the week. Yeah. But and I love the piece about how empowering it is to allow yourself that space and time and how much it then it feeds back into you. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful practice. Thank you. I think there's a thing about women, especially who think that prioritizing themselves, putting themselves first is, is selfish. Why mm. do you think that women struggle with that more than men? And how can women overcome that feeling? Well, oh my goodness, I have so much to say on this. And actually, this never this never made it into the book, but I'll share this with you and your listeners. So when I was researching the book and I was looking at, yeah, this idea, exploring that, kind of the difference, I guess, between historically 
um, the kind of gender roles and, and, and what responsibilities and emotional responsibilities often women take on in the household. So I don't want to, you know, stereotype when I say women, so when I say men, I'm just talking typically historically these kind of stereotypical patterns. So one of them I was looking at was, do you know, do you know the, I guess in the UK, we have like the brownies and the scouts or the cubs or whatever. Yeah. And in, in the US they have, I think it's like the girl scouts, boy scouts. So when in the US, if you sign up to be a Boy Scout, and I don't know if it's still the same now, but it certainly was um, for years and years, you get given this like list of 10 things. And of course, to be about Boy Scout, you know, I will be this and I will do that and I'll aspire to this. And the number one thing on the list, the top thing on the list is I will be a leader. So it's telling young boys, you know, young adults, young men to be a leader. And then all the other ones, I'm not sure what they are, but that was the number one thing. Do you know what the number one thing, the first thing on the Girl Scout list? I'm, I'm racking my brains because I was a brownie. I'd like be nice. It, be a good kind. girl or be kind or yeah. something. Be, what is it? Listen carefully. So the, this is the American one anyway. The Girl Scouts was number one thing was, I will always put others before myself. <gasps> because if you're putting others before yourself, as you just said, you know, it's kind, it's virtuous. It's, you know, I'll put other people, I'll do things wow. in service of others because that's what being a good girl is. Wow. And when I saw that, it literally blew my mind because it made me think if we're telling, and I don't know if it's still the same, as I said, but if we've been telling for, you know, for years and years and years, young boys, be a leader, be courageous, go to the front of the line. Yes. That's what they've learned. And they've heard that. And like, it's not just from that one thing. Cause I mean, I never went to Brownies or whatever, but it we hit the world tells us this you know media the the everything basically is, is kind of setting in in stone these ideals which we then carry throughout our lives so if you're being told from a very young age I will always put other people first I will always you know put my own needs second essentially whether that's to be a good girl or whether that's when you be, when you become a parent you know children you always put the children first or whether it's I don't know I just think we're being told that so much as women yes. and yes. so now in the world that we live in where it's no longer at the the old school uh I guess again stereotype of the breadwinner and the homemaker we now have two breadwinners and no homemaker in a lot of households so I think for a lot of women who maybe they've had this this ingrained into them maybe they saw it with their mother their grandmother this idea that the woman is supposed to take on a lot of the domestic things and the emotional things and the children and the home and all these things so we're still doing it so we're yeah. now doing all of it. Yep. So of course, of course, when are you going to have time to say, you know yep. what, Adrian, let me have an hour to, to do Pilates because now we're working. We're supposed to have careers. We're supposed to raise children and be Mary Poppins. We're supposed yep. to clean the house. We're yep. supposed to cook nutritious meals that are like, yep. you know, non-sugar and gluten-free and all this stuff. We're supposed to do everything yep. ourselves. Yep. And our lives have changed in, the, in terms of location. So we don't necessarily live next door anymore to, you know, nanny and granddad or aunties yeah. and uncle, people that, you know, that whole thing, if it takes a village yeah. of family members coming into the home and taking the children to school or cooking dinner. That doesn't exist for a lot of people. It certainly doesn't exist for me. And, and a lot of my friends, you know, they don't have nanny and granddad or aunties and uncles to help. So I really think that all these things have changed, but the underlying message has remained the same. So maybe, maybe the, maybe we've got the, the Girl Scouts is to blame. 
basically. Let's blame the Girl Scouts. I love it. And to be honest, we've just got all of it. As you just said, it's not just, we were not just one thing anymore. We're everything and we're supposed to be everything. And I think women feel such an enormous responsibility that they have to be doing it all because they now have the opportunity to do so. They have the choices. They've been given this incredible opportunity in life and they have to grab it with both hands. And if they're not, they're somehow failing in life I mean it's just it, it's actually a very confusing time women more, and women yeah it's become more complex because when we had more defined roles as wives as mothers as homemakers it was okay to concentrate on that and there was no kind of stigma there was no judgment but I think you know for women who choose to stay at home and 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 that's their role and it's a big job it's really frowned upon yes. and it's almost like because we have the choice and it's the hardest job in the world it, it's really hard it's quite easy to put on something nice and go and sit in an office for eight hours it's really hard to get <laughs> with it's much harder yeah um, but I think it's caused a lot of it, it's caused a lot of pressure Mm. I agree totally with what you said about when people have the choice and if they do have the choice to stay at home and raise their children what an incredible thing to do you know what a valuable and admirable and amazing thing to do and it's a real shame actually that as you said society whether it's peers people frown upon or kind of go like someone I met someone the other day and she said to me she went oh she was talking to me about the podcast and she said oh you know I'm just a mum and and I said to her never ever say that again yeah. Never say that again, yeah. because honestly, the two years that I spent at home, I spent two years at home when I had my son. I was very fortunate I could do that. What, as I say, what an amazing thing to be able to do. And it's really hard. It's really, really, really hard for people who have two children, three children. It doesn't end, you know, it doesn't end when they start school. But I do think this idea that actually somebody dedicating their time, their life, their love, their energy to being at home doing the school pickup, doing the homework, cooking meals, all of those things. You're still doing eight jobs, even if you're, you're still doing eight jobs. You're still a nurse and a chef and a, you know, you're doing it so much when you stay at home and raise children. So it is a shame actually that women who do that are made to feel as though they're not contributing to society in a way that is as meaningful as somebody who's, you know, starting a company or somebody who's the, you know, the CEO or whatever. It's, It's madness actually. It has value to raise the next generation of people. There is a huge value to that. It is amazing, isn't it? That whatever route that we take or have taken in the past, it's frowned upon and we are made to feel as if we are somehow failing because years going back years, if you didn't have, if you did go out to work, you were frowned upon at the school gates. Oh, you're a working mum. Oh, you're traveling. Oh, you're not home with your children. And now it's completely pivoted, but the emotion and the takeaway is still exactly the same. I am somehow failing as a woman or I am somehow not doing enough. I think you still get that if you are a working parent. I've had that my entire 10 years of motherhood. So my son is 10 and a half and I've had that the whole way through exactly what you just described. I remember being in America. I was in LA and I was doing a photo shoot. It was when I was working for, it was, I was a brand ambassador for Adidas at the time. And I was there and someone said to me on the on the set, oh, I've just seen on Instagram that you have a little boy and, and he must have been like maybe five. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like who's looking after him? And I literally not only in that moment did I feel this 
like shame and embarrassment of like, oh my gosh, you're on the other side of the world. You're in LA, you're working and you're doing a photo shoot because obviously that's not real work. But nobody asked the photographer, there was, you know, there was a male photographer on set, of course, lol. Nobody asked him, <laughs> nobody asked him, wait, you have children. Oh yeah. my God, <laughs> who's looking after them? Where are they? Did you just yeah. abandon your child and leave yeah. them in yeah. the street? I was yeah. like, guess what? They're f- his father is going to be looking after him for the five days that I'm yeah. here. And the other 50% part- of the parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two parents can parent. And it was just like I said, I remember saying on that day, like no one asks, and this is my, my ex-husband, his teacher, no one asks him at work if he stays late, if he has a meeting, no. who's going to pick up your son from school? No. But we are asked that question. And yeah. I think, yeah, I do think there's a kind of a shame and a stigma sometimes to the fact that, oh, wait, you have a career. So you're prioritizing yourself over your children. This like little, this is like, uh, there's always this undertone. So as I said, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. So basically do what the hell you bloody well want to do and just live by yes. your own choices. Do what you want to do, but also do do what you what you find fulfilling, what you find, what enjoy, what do you enjoy, what gives you energy and know that if you are, I'm going to come on to talk about this in a minute with the, with the goal setting, but with seasons, there's going to be seasons in your life. And if you're in the season of staying at home with young children, with babies, with toddlers, lean into that season because that season is going to end. And like I said, my son's 10 and a half and it's very different now, you know, it's very different. And, yeah. and the season is different and it's like, we can't go back and get it again. So maybe if we tried to focus on one season at a time, instead of everything at the same time, we might be able to give ourselves a break and actually enjoy each part of our lives more. Yeah. Nice. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. I wanted to ask you a bit about motivation and discipline, because when you were speaking at the Balance Festival where we saw you, Uh, in November the thing that struck me the most listening to you was how disciplined you are and I was talking Nicole and I were talking about it afterwards and I I was wondering do you think it's something that is innate in a person or do you think discipline is something that can be taught Oh, it's a great question. And someone actually said the same thing to me this week. And it's, it's always surprising, isn't it, when other people make observations about you that you wouldn't necessarily say about yourself. And so, yeah, a colleague of mine said that. They said, you're very disciplined. You know, if you if it's, for example, you know, with my podcast, every, every Tuesday for three years, never missed it. Or, you know, you say you're going to do this thing, you never miss it. Like, how do you do that? And that is a really interesting question because I do think anybody can cultivate more self-discipline absolutely I I do believe that I I don't know if it's always been an A in me I think it's always been a necessity in me so you know growing up I was uh one of four my mum's you know single household family low-income household I had to take on a lot of responsibility at a very young age you know my my younger sibling one of them's five years younger one of nine years younger so you know I was changing nappies I was unloading the dishwasher I was cooking I was I was doing these things when I was 12 13 yeah Yeah, and I thought that was normal so I think I out of necessity 
learn responsibility and as a result of that I think I felt a, 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 you know responsibility to others so it wasn't just like well if I don't do it I'll be the one to suffer if I don't do it other people there's, there's, a, there's a consequence there so I think if I'm honest the discipline part for me was probably out of necessity and it's maybe just become a habit um, but the second part of that I guess is I I am an ambitious person. I have big ambition, big goals. As I mentioned, growing up in the, you know, with no money essentially and seeing other things, other people, things that I wanted, things that friends had and thinking, I want those things for myself and knowing that I wasn't going to get them unless mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. was the one. For them. Yeah. yeah, it was it was very much that. There was no security blanket there was no fallback there was no backup there was it was literally I remember that kind of thinking especially as an older sibling I remember thinking like if we want to change this situation if we want to change our lives if I want a different life to this I remember I kind of like thinking looking at my siblings and thinking we're gonna to have to do this ourselves you know we're gonna to have to roll up our sleeves and we are gonna to have to get wow. it done and wow. and really I think that has again stayed with me this discipline idea that no one is going to do it for you. No one is going to care like, about your excuses. And I know people don't like that word, but what I mean when I say excuses is we all have them. I could write a long list of yes. mine every day and people don't like that word. It's like, oh, don't tell people, you know, excuses. That's a bit harsh. I'm like, but we all have excuses. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so- I and they feel very real, don't they? They feel very, very potent and real at the yeah, time. Yeah, they are real. Yeah, of course, yeah. they are real. They are, you know, whether it's tiredness, whether it's busyness, whether it's uh, confidence, fear, effect, your excuses are real and legitimate. But we all, we have two choices. We can either allow our circumstances and allow those excuses to be the reason that we don't progress and we don't achieve the things we want in our lives, or we can do it in spite of them. So I think that is just, yeah, it's, it, it's innately who I am, but it's something that I think anyone can cultivate and practice. If they have a good, if they have a big enough reason, if they have a big enough fire in their belly, a desire, a want, a will, they will be disciplined. If they don't, then sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what? You don't want it that much. And that's also fine. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. people don't want to admit that either. It's like, oh, you don't want it enough. Well, I do. Maybe actually you don't. I know there's things in my life. If I say, oh, do this and then few weeks later you haven't even started it I'm like Adrian you're not that bothered you don't really want yeah. it otherwise yeah. you would have started it mm. yeah. yeah I love that I love that I, I'm gonna figure that one for my meditating because I just uh, I've got all the excuses in the world of why I'm not meditating but anyway that's do you actually want but do you actually want to meditate what's the why why do you No, want I to don't meditate? really want to meditate I just want the benefits of meditation <laughs> <laughs> actually having to meditate but that's going to go into my whole week of of my goal setting so um let, let's start talking about some goal setting because mm. that's what we're here that's what you do absolutely brilliantly and what we want to bring to our listeners um and we're doing a whole week on it so yeah. what is your advice and I know this is a big question of how to best sort of step into your goals. We've already done a week on asking for what you want. So by this point, we hope our listeners know what it is that they want to set for themselves, mm. but how can they then step into setting these goals for 2022? Okay. Yeah. Like you said, it is a big one. So I'm going to hog the mic. So feel free to jump in, interject anytime. I would say the first thing you have to do is assess and reflect in order to set a goal for the future you need to actually figure out where you are starting from right now everybody's start line might be different so that's the first thing we've got to do figure out where are you at right now because it might not be that it's starting something brand new it might just be kind of 
tweaking or changing, but start there. Where are you now? Then once you figure out, okay, what the big goal is or the small goal is, whether it's professional goal, personal goal, whatever it is, you have got to get specific about that goal. And I think you may have heard me uh, talk about this balance. So when I mean specific, I want details. I want to know every single thing about this goal so that you can visualize it. You want to, you should be able to tell me what it feels like, what it smells like, what does it look like? Every single thing. So look at the goal and write down at least 25 things about it. The deadline, the time frame, potential blockers, barriers, things that could trip you up, things that inevitably excuses, write them down so you can see them. This is an excuse that comes up when I'm trying to achieve this goal. See it there in black and white. Then more granular than that, if it's, a, you know, if, if you need to write down the financial things, like this is how much, this is how long that will take. If it's a person or a place, I need to reach out to this person, get their email address, write it on the paper, write it all out. So that if you handed that to somebody else, they could take that piece of paper and go and do that goal. That's how detailed it needs to be because then you have got a plan. Then you've not just got a dream. Like I want to write a book. That's the goal. If you gave that piece of paper to somebody that said, right, but what's the book about? Who's the book for? When is it going to be published? How are you going to promote that? Like all the detail you can. So more detail, the better. Get specific about the goal. Definitely set yourself uh, a timeline. And that doesn't mean a, a deadline. It means a timeline. So a timeline could be, okay, I want to achieve this within 12 months. So therefore, where do I need to be in six? Where do I need to be in three? What do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? Think about that timeline, you know, really look at it. And then along the way, give yourself little markers, times where you can, again, assess and reflect because you might need to course correct. If you get six months in and things have changed, we know how quickly things change. You might need to course correct. So then you're not cementing yourself. You're not wed to this idea that you said this goal. It can never, ever change because <laughs> that's not also, you know, it's not useful or helpful because I think people get stuck with that. They go, oh, well, I, I failed. I gave up when actually learning that you're on the wrong path is much better to course correct than to just keep going anyway. Um, and then last but not least, this is the thing that I honestly believe has been the biggest game changer in my life and others that I've shared this with, with the seasons idea when it comes to setting your goals. I love this. I love this. Everyone listen up and grab a pen. Listen up and get ready for this. Cause honestly it changed my life. I'm someone I mentioned big ambition, lots of different goals. So instead of trying to layer them on top of one another, so let's say, okay, I'm training for a half marathon in Croatia. I'm writing a book. I'm, uh, I'm consulting and working for a company. I'm putting, I'm doing uh, keynotes and I'm doing the slides. I'm interviewing guests for the pop. Come on. Like if you write them all on top of each other, you layer them up like a cake that is going to weigh on you. You get overwhelmed. You don't know where to start, where to finish everything basically gets diluted and gets 10% of you. So nothing gets done to its best. But as soon as you decide to do things in season, so one season at a time, kind of alluded to this before, think about athletes when they train, they have training season, they have an off season, they have train, recover, compete. They don't do them at the same time. Yes. So once you allow, you see it, you're like, okay, cool. If this is the season of book writing, Whilst I'm in that season, I know I'm going to have less time to see friends and family, less socializing. I'm going to probably have less time for training because a lot of my endurance training takes hours and hours and hours. So maybe I'm not going to be doing two hour runs. So this is the writing season. So you give yourself permission to wind down other things. You can, you can communicate that to the other people, you know, with the boundaries, with family members, with colleagues and say, I can't take on that project 
at the moment. I can do it in six months or I can't, you know, come out and party and drink and do all these things at the moment because maybe it's a different season. But then what happens is you can really, really commit to the priority of that season and you can enjoy it so much more. So when I'm in my endurance training, when I'm training for that race in Croatia, I am going to be loving it because I literally will be like, this is my priority. Yes, I'm training. You know, the runs are going to be in my diary physio recovery sleep i'm running 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 that is You're almost doing. making me want to train for a marathon <laughs> you see it's the season but then after the race after the finish line you have that little come down and you're like oh you have that little rest period recover period lean into that that's the season of rest and recovery and you know last august was the first time that i've taken a month off probably mm. in 10 years i've never wow. taken a month off consecutively so i took august off and I'll be honest with you, that was party season. Nice. I, wanted, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to drink. I wanted to go crazy. I went to Wilderness Festival. I went to Soho Farmhouse. I went to, I went abroad. I literally was like, this is my season. This is my party season. I want, and people yeah. who know me as well, who are like, it's funny because they were like, oh my gosh, who are you? Like, you know, it's just, and I was like, this is the season. Just let yeah. me drink this wine and have fun and let my hair down. And then come September, we're back to business. But instead of trying to do it, you know, like all the time, everything, juggle, 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 spin all the plates. And then you never really feel like you do anything that well. Yeah. Just when you set these goals for the year, look at the year ahead and break it down. When are you going to prioritize each of them individually and enjoy that season? Okay. If someone's feeling stuck, they've got a goal, they've done their planning, but they're feeling very stuck in it. Mm. Just not going smoothly they're not feeling it what what advice would you have for someone in that situation a couple of things I think we've touched on this with you know if you really want it right you're Mm -hmm. gonna feel motivated to do it you're gonna feel excited by it like regardless of the the facts just the feeling you know how do you feel when you think about doing it and that doesn't mean you know a big goal can be overwhelming you could feel like you could feel fear, you could feel, but you still feel excitement with that fear because yeah. it's it's something you want. Yeah. But if you're feeling stuck, so it might be that you need to start there and really dig deeper on that. Do you really want this? Is this something that other people think would be good for you? Is this something that, you know, you're looking comparison of other people and thinking, well, they're doing that. I should be doing that. Yeah. If you really want it, you'll probably feel excited about it. But if you're feeling stuck because you simply you know you do want the thing but you don't know how to get to go about it then usually I think that comes down to fear I think it's either fear of 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 failure because oh I don't know if it doesn't work out I think mostly at the moment if I'm honest I think it's fear of other people's judgment and criticism because we live in such a kind of visual world now everything feels public so as soon as you commit to something like you just mentioned oh I want to shine for a marathon Nicole if you then said I don't really (laughs) <laughs> but if you did, but if you then said right I'm doing a marathon and you told a couple of people and maybe you put it on Instagram I feel like people then feel this weight of you've committed yes. you know that okay. public thing I, you actually said something at the balance festival in the in the talk because I was plant-based for nine months right and then I'm now not plant-based mm. and the amount of questions of when I went to plant-based and the amount of questions of when I stopped being plant-based and you actually touched on this yourself and I thought oh my god this has happened to me and everyone's like well, what do you mean you've gone plant-based well where are you getting all your protein from and why are you going to eat and aren't you hungry and what are you eating and when are you eating and why are you doing this and it wasn't even 
it wasn't a massive decision. It was just something I fancied trying out. It was locked down. I was a bit bored. I wanted a bit of a focus. And then I wanted a smoked salmon bagel. I literally saw it in the shop. I picked mm-hmm. it up. I, I devoured it. And then the next day I needed tuna. Like, obviously, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then so I thought, right, okay, well, I'm not plant-based anymore. And I was very comfortable with both choices that I made like that. Yeah. But but the questions, well, what do you mean you're not plant-based? Well, don't you feel guilty? Well, why are you doing that? I thought you were plant-based. I thought you were going to be plant-based forever. It's like, well, yeah. I, I don't owe you anything with what I eat. So I've just changed my mind. That's what yes. you said. At the, you just, I changed my mind. That is- I changed my mind and I'm allowed to do so. And we don't have yeah. to be, yeah, identity doesn't have to be bound to our choices. And exactly that, if, if, if people could let go, if you're thinking I'm stuck because I do want to do this goal, but I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Is that, is that the reason? Because you're going to have to explain to people, oh, yes. I'm going to start yes. this thing. Oh, but then what if you're not doing it anymore? Exactly as you said, then you have to tell them, oh, I was going to do that. Now I'm not. We're so afraid of other people, I guess, you know, what they're going to think, their judgment, their criticism, their concerns, their questions is exhausting. As you said, having to, having to justify ourselves and our choices to mother-in-law, sister, friends, whoever. And I think if we could really, yeah, have the confidence to let go of that, you know, really decide, okay, do you need to tell the whole world about it? Maybe you don't, if you don't want to, but if you do, you don't owe them an explanation to go along with it. You know, I'm trying this out. I'm giving this a go. I'm going to give it my all. It's important to me. I'm excited about it. And actually the people who love you and support you and want to see you happy should feel the same. They should go, you know what, if this makes you happy, if you're excited about it, if this is important to you, I'm going to support that. I'm going to get behind that. And if in six months, as you said, you change your mind, great. You've tried something, you know what you don't like, you know, what's not great. Who wants to say the same? What a waste of life. I honestly, I talked about this recently on, on my podcast. Someone asked me, we're talking about fear and what's the biggest fear. And my biggest fear is complacency. Who wants to stay the same? What a waste. If I'm the same person in 10 years time, what have I been doing? Yeah. Waste. So yeah, I hear you. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I know. What, uh, I don't know what the uh, actual question was now, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Great answer. It was it was, answer. We got there, whichever way. <laughs> and thank you because you really helped me put that to bed. So now when people ask me if I'm still plant-based, I, all I say is, "Now I changed my mind." And it's, I, I, I feel such liberation every time I say it because I have a little smoke to myself. And it's exactly what you said. I don't owe anyone an explanation with what I put in my own body. Very mm-hmm. empowering. So thank you. welcome we always like to ask our guests that come on the show what well we know that you're very into your training and everything else Mm. but what do you do what is your favorite practice of self-care adrienne what is your go-to piece of self-care it definitely depends on the season on the mood where i am am in my cycle but i would say i've probably got two so when i'm feeling rested when i'm when i've had a lot of sleep when i'm feeling good i love to run And I love the freedom of running. I love the motion, the forward motion that just feels like I'm just literally physically progressing towards something and away from something else. It becomes almost uh, just my feet on the floor, like everything about it becomes almost like a like a transcendental, like I can't honestly describe to you how I feel in the middle of my run. So that's one time. That's one uh, way to give myself self-care, be by myself and go running and just, yeah outside but if I'm not feeling like running and maybe I've like I said depending where I'm at in my cycle 
then for me, if I'm not feeling good and I want to feel good and I want to shift my state, then often it's music. And I will literally put on music, whether that's dancing to music, singing to music, stretching to music, moving to music. I play it and I play it loud and it literally shifts my state. Sometimes it can be gospel music. Sometimes it's Beyonce live at Coachella. And I know people laugh when I say that, but I mean it. Like I put that up sometimes. She's a a goddess. so, yeah, yeah, it's not even just, it's the whole thing. If you've never listened to the live at Coachella, um, album, it's, it's a whole, it will just change your, your mood. Cause it's not about the music. It's, it's the whole thing, the production, the, the, the orchestra, the, the whole thing is just, it's insane actually. So yeah, it's one of the two, either running, being outside, feeling energy, feeling free, or it's okay. I'm not feeling good. Let me lift my energy and let me listen to music and sing. I love to sing. Uh, so one of those two for me. Ah, thank you. Love it. And I've got one more question because I think you're just going to have an amazing answer for it because we talk about this all the time on the show about what self-care really means, what it really looks like. What does self-care mean to you? I really hope that this isn't going to disappoint you. People don't always like my answer. Come on. Right, I bet so I'm going to love it. I bet I'm going to love it. Here we go. So when, for me, when it comes to self-care, I honestly think that I think we're being told we're being sold a little bit of a lie with self-care I think we're being told that self-care means do less and I think we're being told that self-care means yeah do less and say no and do things slowly and all the rest of it for me I have two versions of self-care I have self-care in the moment and self-care for my future self love that so my future self a perfect example I know I talk about racing and running, but I love running. So I'm going to go with that or business. So I'll give you two. Perfect example is I've got a race. It's in nine months. It's an endurance race and it's going to be hard. Self-care is not me in the morning when my alarm goes off, when I don't feel like getting on, going out in the cold and putting on a head torch and wearing gloves because it's freezing. (laughs) Self-care for me is not, well, don't go then. The duvet is nice and warm. Stay in and give yourself self-care because when that day comes, when I'm standing at the start line, I am laced up and I have got to run 26 miles. Self-care will be doing the training, doing the preparation, doing the drills, putting in the miles, putting in the hills, putting in the mornings so that when I get to the start line, I am ready. I've trained. My body's ready. My mind is ready. That is for me, self-care. Discipline. It goes back to discipline. It is discipline. And in the moment, I've always been able to do this. I think I, um, I always have in my mind the now and the future and the two, I can see them both at the same time. And that can be, again, with discipline, if I'm thinking about a career goal, if I, let's say, for example, I really want to interview someone and I write the name down. I think that would be such an incredible conversation and that person would be amazing. I, if, if I do get the opportunity to interview them, okay, you're going to feel nervous. You're going to want to do a good job. So how can you better prepare? Research, read every book they've ever written, watch their talks, listen to their work, go deeper, do the prep because when the interview comes, you're going to feel less nervous. You've done the work. So I think when it comes to self-care, as I said, I think we're sometimes being sold a lie. Like what does self-care mean to me? Self-care means to me doing the thing that is going to take me towards the ultimate goal, even when I don't feel like doing it because my future self, will be so glad in that moment that I've already done the work. I love it. I love it. That is so inspiring. 
thank you. I love it. But can you see why people don't? Because they're like, well, yeah. what about listen to your body? What about, you know, these things? We've got pretty much pressure on ourselves. They don't want me to say, do the work. But that is my version. Because it's self-care. hard, but that's yeah. hard. But the pride that you feel afterwards, after getting out for that run, when you really don't want to, is going to be so much more rewarding than lying in that bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally get it. Thank you. Adrienne, we are so delighted that you have come on the show and that you are bringing our listeners all of your wisdom and all of your energy. It is, you are infectious. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you so much.